Hey, my loves. Hey, my divine feminist, my divine masculine gang gang. What's good? I'm going to give you a warning right now. This article is going to be a little bit on the longer side, but I'm going to be um, going over with you this article that's on archive.curbed.com. <coughs> Excuse me. And it's titled, How a Segregation Tax is Costing black american homeowners 156 billion be with a with a boy 156 billion dollars um and i i thought that this is a great analogy for me to continue to kind of build my case on why i think it's important for the melanated community to start to address how our tax dollars are used with things such as simple as or not as simple but with things such as um, uh, police brutality and funding, defunding the police, if we start to bring out the magnifying glass and see how it spills into other areas, such as housing, you're going to see that it's going to be important for us to tie up a lot of loose ends because when we're having to um, buy our properties with the reparation money, it's... If, if it's currently at a point where um, we're losing, um, co- where it's costing us $156 billion, one of the things I'm going to say right off the bat, I was looking at the stats while my the last podcast was posting. Right now, um, a lot of you know that a lot of Black people, melanated people, human people, are not we're not really up there in terms of numbers for home ownership. I think when I was looking through this, that's only like four percent. So if we keep things the way that they are and we, you know, get reparations, more homeowners, more real estate property people, that number is gonna go up from a hundred and fifty six billion dollars to who knows what level of proportion how ma- the magnitude of how severe this is you guys so i'm going to start working my way through the article this is going to be a little bit of a longer article but it lets us start to flush these things out it says a new booking gallup report finds that residential properties in majority black neighborhoods are consistently undervalued. This article is from November 27 of 2018, right? So for those of you who don't, the reason I'm pulling this article too is because I'm going to find that article that I did. And actually, I kind of remembered where I can get it from. The article that I did, that that I found, that was in 20, it was either 2019 or 20, I'm pretty sure it was 2019, um, talking about how we pay Four, up to 400% more in taxes. I have since come across some other articles that say that um, black homeowners, melanated black homeowners, uh, human homeowners, they pay up to 13% more than their Caucasian neighborhoods. And it also includes that they pay more than Hispanics. Okay, so there is no black and brown comparison. Miss me with that bullshit. No. Black people pay more up to, in some places, so it just depends. It could be regional, local, blah, blah, blah. But 
13% more than their Hispanic and white counterparts. I'm pretty sure you could have other things that you want to use for your 13% of that hard-earned money. This is in 2018, and the reason I wanted to drive that home is because this is current. This is not something from 100 years ago or before from Jim Crow or 400 years ago or three. No, 2018, this is still an issue. 2021, this is still an issue. It says... Black Americans, long accustomed to facing more hurdles on the road to home ownership, may consistently find their investments in residential property undervalued, according to the new joint um, Brookings Institute and Gallup study. This is important because if we're talking about passing these properties on to our babies and creating generational wealth, I'm going to need you to give me every single red penny worth of value that this property is worth for my child, for future generations. Okay? The bug literally stops here. You're going to have me paying more in taxes and then turn around. It's a double-edged sword. Like, that just hit me. That's just deep, you guys. Because understand, when I'm talking that about how we're paying 400% more in taxes, and then you swing to the other side, and not only is your property value, um, it's now your property value is being undervalued. Like, we're just getting slammed on both sides. 13% more taxes. 400 in some places up to 400% more taxes and I there's a really great chart on here that breaks down the disparities right um between what non-melanated and melanated people pay and um <clears throat> the the double whammy the double slammer is that on top of that your house is undervalued so when you turn around and you try to sell that you're not even going to get the money that it's worth. It says, according to the devaluation of assets in black neighborhoods, the case of residential property, owner-occupied homes are undervalued by the real estate market across all majority black neighborhoods and consistently sell or are appraised for lower prices at an average of $48,000 per year. Per home, sorry, at an average of 48000 $48, per home. So some places can be appraised for um, even lower than, so um, like let's say like 150000 or more. Uh, when I say lower, so that means that they're shaving off 48000 off of the value of the home, shaving off 100000 off the value of the home. The average meaning that that's the middle, sometimes it can be less, but it can also be way more. But they meet you in the center and say, on average, 48000 per home. Nationwide. So all the states are getting it. Idaho, Colorado, Texas, California, New York, um, um, Illinois, um, Arizona. All a nationwide, as of 2018, this amounts to 156 billion dollars in community in cumulative losses 
what the report dubs a segregation tax. Furthermore, homes of similar value with similar features are valued at 23% less in majority Black neighborhoods compared to those with few or no Black residents. So they're saying if you have a certain quota where it's majority Black, which is valued at 23%, um, no, 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 the, um, neighborhoods that are majority Black, they're valued 23% less than a neighborhood where, so like where we live in my neighborhood, um, we're the only like melanated couple, period. Like we don't have Hispanic, we don't have um, Latino or anything or, or like Asian on like my block. We're the only ones. So we're kind of protected. Um, but if I were to live like um, in the stereotypical off of Martin Luther King, every every city for the most part has a Martin Luther King Boulevard. If I were to live there, the property values of my house would be twenty be valued at twenty three percent less. Okay. The researchers noted that while some of the majority black neighborhoods they examined exhibited features associated with lower property values, including higher crime rates, longer commute times, and less access to high-scoring schools and well-rated restaurants, their analysis showed that these factors only explain roughly half of the undervaluation. Because you have these janky people who try to gaslight you and make it seem like, oh, well, your house is not worth that much because of, you know, um, high crime rates, commute times, not the best education systems, low-rating restaurants. When I told you guys, if you've been following the sequence of podcasts I've been talking about, we need to get to the point with our tax dollars that when we tell these politicians and we tell law enforcement and we tell these banks to jump, the only thing coming out of their mouth as they're on the way jumping up is how high. Because when we start to get our politicians in place, legislation in place, laws in place, case law in place, case where we have people where if we have to sue and start to stack the 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 swing the the favor back in our court now we're going to hold our politicians of it accountable to say what's really going on with these crime rates we have 75,000 missing black girls your police uh police of chief needs to make sure that we have funding to make sure that all of our missing cases are solved within, you know, that they were addressed within the 48 hours, that we have people on the case, that we don't have people out here with with children missing for three years. You know what I'm saying? You want to stay funded? This is how you're going to use my tax dollars. When I come to you and I say, listen, I need my children to learn finance. There's only there's only a few um, states that teach financial literacy. I know California is not one of them. But I want to get in the position if it's one of the the I'm gonna add it to my I'm gonna add it to my list of things I want to do before I pass. But I want to get to the point where I can, if I need to pay a politician that has been screened and vetted to say, I need you to push this agenda forward. I want coding and trading and crypto and financial literacy taught to black children in California. Make that happen.
And the only thing they got to do while they're jumping is ask how high. But that means we're going to have to be politically mature. If you listen to my last podcast where I shared the the um, quote by Malcolm X, that is some deep stuff. We need to become politically mature. So there's a reason, like, this is just fascinating to me, too. You're getting my initial reactions to stuff. These well-rated restaurants, you guys, let's support our Black-owned businesses. Now, that being said, some of you, some of the restaurants, like, I'm I'm a, I'm a level with you. I ordered, I was like, um, I was on DoorDash. And it's funny, if I type in Mexican food, Asian food, that stuff pops up. But when I owned Black-owned restaurant, um, soul food, nothing pops up. Okay, nothing pops up. So I typed in chicken and the the soul food Sunday um, restaurant came up. And so I'm like, oh, I'm excited. I'm going to order from this black owned company. Long story short, they did not have everything in stock. When I have ordered from other companies, from other restaurants, if they don't have the the item, they, they remove it in real time from the menu. So you can't order. So the DoorDasher got there. They did not have the pumpkin pie that I ordered. And then um, when they brought the food to me, um, one of my, my small pet peeves is that the, the drink, I, I paid two fifty for a can of Coca-Cola, but I figured, you know, I'm, I'm helping out Black-owned business. I don't normally order drinks when I order from DoorDash. Do you can you believe when the when the DoorDasher delivered the stuff to me the soda the canned soda was hot? Like you're charging me a whole one point five percent for the soda you couldn't have gotten it to me refrigerated. So I get it when some of us you know our own people are not necessarily up to code with you know what every all the other restaurants are doing but at the same time let's try to um support each other and pay attention to that if and when they're performing like um one of the places i want to go to is a turkey leg hut i don't remember which state that's in but i'll be salivating to go to turkey leg hut um if i'm saying it correctly cannot wait to go there cannot wait to give my reviews and that type of thing but all of these things play a role in terms of what it means for financing and whether they qualify for even getting finances in the first place and qualifying as a small business owner right but yeah the point is some people are janking they'll say that these are the things that affect crime rates I mean, um, property rates, but um, there's another going down. I know they're going to address it, so we'll cross that bridge when we get there. It says, even taking into account the fact that housing stock in majority black neighborhoods tend to be older and have less space or fewer bedrooms than comparable homes in the same market does not fully account for the differences in housing values. So there, when one of the things I like about the studies, I like that they're thorough. Because, again, you're going to have naysayers that are saying, well, oh, well, the majority of the homes in these black neighborhoods, they don't have as much space. They have square less square footage. They have fewer homes. But it still, still, still does not account for the differences in the housing values. It says, 
We believe anti-Black bias is the reason this undervaluation happens, and we hope to better understand the precise beliefs and behaviors that drive this process in future research, the report says. Researchers Andre Perry, Jonathan Rothwell, and David Harshbarger used the 2016 American Community Survey and Zillow to determine neighborhood demographics and property values for the 119 metropolitan areas with the majority Black neighborhoods. This systematic devaluation puts Black families at significant disadvantage when it comes to wealth accrual, hear me now, making it harder to pay for education, start businesses, or retire. I'm going to read that again. Because remember, what I'm trying to get us to understand as a collective is you start to pay attention to how your taxes are being handled. It's going to spill over into other areas. And it's going to be important that we address it because it is going to affect generational wealth. It's going to affect our future. It's going to affect our children. I'm going to read it again. It says, the systematic devaluation puts Black families at a significant disadvantage when it comes to wealth accrual making it harder to pay for education, start businesses, or retire. In addition, the report found that areas with greater devaluation are more segregated and produce less upward mobility for Black children. Conversely, Black children born to low-income families had higher incomes as adults if they grew up in a metro area where Black homeowners' properties were valued more in line with the standard market value. That is interesting. I'm going to read that again for myself. It says, conversely, black children born in low-income families had higher incomes as adults if they grew up in a metro area where black homeowners' properties were valued more in line with standard market value. So that's tying back to if you are... um, um, able to, to get a house, finance for a house, you're able to put money for them to get a better education and it's probably more than likely going to be um, in a in a location where they have better education systems like a UCR or a um, university level institution. You guys, this stuff matters. There is this really, you guys, I love numbers. There's this chart on this article that I'm, I'm reading from, but it says the 10 metropolitan areas with the largest and smallest differences in the values of home. I'm a little bit of a nerd, so I enjoyed looking over the stats of this while I was waiting for the other thing to upload, but I'm going to try to explain with you the best I can. Um, basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read off to you the cities and states of the of the places that have So what they did is they looked at homes that were majority black, and then they looked at homes that were, that had less than 1% of black people in that neighborhood. And then they looked at the, it says relative valuation of black neighborhood and percentage of points. So the higher the number is, the higher the percentage, the closer it is to 100, the more that there's equity, like you can buy a um, neighborhood, buy a house in a black, majority black neighborhood, buy a house in a a majority white neighborhood where there's only like 1% 
blacks that live there and you would get the same price regardless of if you're black for your property there's some um if i have time i might read some of the cities and states where the um if you're black you're up a creek like your house is going to be undervalued you know what let me let me knock it out i know this is going to be a long podcast but let's get into it i I think it's going to take me about 10 minutes so i'm going to close out this first 30 minutes and then continue to read the article so starting off with the areas with the largest differences in home values so this one is saying if you are a black person and you're a black homeowner you're looking at having your house valued at 23 percent less than in the same city where it's a neighborhood that's majority white with only one percent black living in that neighborhood so if you're in bridgeport stanford norwalk connecticut you would be looking at the average cost of your house would be 131,000 in the same neighborhood where it's majority white they would be getting $783,000 for that same for the same equivalent value of the home do you see the difference between 131,000 and 783,000 for the same freaking same, same city same same everything do you see the disparity in that? If you're a black homeowner, you're the median, so it means it could be less, could be more, but it could be less. $131,000. Same city, same state, majority white neighborhood, 783888 uh, $8,800. So almost $784,000. I'm going to round the number up. 784 to 131. I want you to, to really let that marinate. Charleston, North Charleston, South Carolina. Same thing. Black homeowner, 130. White homeowner, white neighborhood, majority white neighborhood, 717. Savannah, Georgia, black homeowner. 112 majority white homeowner 562 um youngstown warren boardman ohio pennsylvania black homeowner 33,000 um majority white neighborhood 131,000 y'all listen that's a hundred thousand dollars difference and those are not even the highest numbers yo Black homeowner, 33,000, majority white neighborhood, 131,000. Port St. Lucie, Florida, 65. Now, Florida, and Florida, man, for real, they be going through some stuff. I don't know what the hell is going on over there in Florida. Chicago, Illinois is another one. Like, I need boots on the ground. What, is, what the hell is going on over there? Um, Port St. Lucie, Florida. Black homeowners, 65,000, majority white neighborhood, 259,000. Like the other ones that was tripping because it was like, okay, cool. $600,000 difference. Um, $100,000 difference. This one, $200,000 difference. Black homeowners, 61,000, majority white neighborhood, 241,000. Man, y'all can miss me with that crap. Look at this one. 
Um, Lexington, Fayette, Kentucky. Black homeowner, 77,000. Majority white neighborhood, 301,000. Cape Coral, Fort Myers, Florida, 67,000 for the black homeowner. Majority white um, neighborhood, 259,000. For N, Arbor, Michigan, 68,000 for the black homeowner. Um, for the majority white, 259,000. Now, this is the... I love numbers, you guys. I've come to fall more in love with numbers. And this is to tell you just how serious it can be and how you need to understand these numbers that you're dealing with. Because for this category, they put the mean of the group. So the mean means that it's like the kind of like the average number is 84,000 for the black homeowner. And then for majority white, for majority white, it's 397,000. Right. But but did you really hear the disparity? So when they say they're using median values, understand that if if I just read that from one hundred and thirty one thousand to seven hundred and eighty three thousand, how huge that disparity is. But the mean, you know, that's why you got to pay attention to these numbers that they spit out at you and you got to be savvy. I know I'm probably scoring up what it means to, to say the mean of the group, but you can hear the difference between 84,000 and 397,000, but that's just in the center. It, it's not representing the highest of the highs and the lows of the lows. So those numbers were already looking at the average, and then this is averaging it down even some more. In the last five minutes, I'm going to cover the, um, I'm not going to read the amounts because basically in the second category, it's telling you that whatever you pay for the most part, there's still a disparity though. Wow. These areas have the smallest difference, but again, it's not anything to, if you, it's not anything to write home about. Like for example, um, Greenville Anderson Malden, South Carolina. It's a smaller difference, but if you listen to the difference, it's nothing to write home about. Black homeowner, 82,000. Um, majority white neighborhood, 114,000. So there's still a discrepancy there. New York, Newark, New Jersey, New, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. That's Tri-City, right? Did I get that right, y'all? Black homeowner, 403,000. Majority white neighborhood, 559,000. So there's still a discrepancy there. Like, I need to get all my coins. I need to get all my money. You know what I'm saying? But but it's not, it's not quote unquote as bad as some of the other states um for the sake of time i'm gonna i'm gonna just read off the rest of the names here until i get to 100 percent. so boston cambridge newton massachusetts new hampshire nepalis i'm O'Keeley, marco island florida Asheville, north carolina lake land winter haven florida um, Aniston, Oxford, Jacksonville, Alabama. This one is coming in at 97% of relative valuation of black neighborhoods, meaning that there's less discrepancy. So, um, Aniston, Oxford, Jackson, Alabama, you go to white neighbor, um, black owned, it's 59,000 for black owned, it's 61,000. So just off by 3000 for the most part, right? Gainesville, California is in at at a hundred percent. Gainesville, Florida. Um, okay, so Florida not not doing too bad. And actually, the um, 
uh, it's if you black owned, like it says, the median price for black owned is ninety five thousand five hundred and ninety one. For majority white, it's nine thousand five hundred two hundred thirty seven. So actually, black owned in Gainesville, Florida, is just by a couple of hundred dollars off by by like two hundred dollars higher than majority white. Shout out to Sebring, Florida, because. This is one place in California, in the in the United States where the black owned property is goes is valued at one hundred and thirty four thousand six hundred, and majority white neighborhood is uh, valued at sixty nine thousand dollars. So it's a hundred and ninety three percent relative valuation. So shout out to, to Florida. Although I will say this because the same way you know, they, it should be equal. What stops it from being equal? Because see, the funny thing is when I get to part three, when I do this next podcast, because I know that some of, some people might be feeling janky, like, oh, I came to this channel to get divine feminine information. I want to find out about my twin flame. I want to talk about spirituality and manifesting money and wealth. What does this have to do with the black community, with the melanated community? And I, my, my initial response to them was like, if you don't see anything wrong with what's going on in the black community, then you have a long ways to go. So even though it's nice to see my melanated people winning in this community, it should be equal. There shouldn't be that disparity. But you'll hear that from me, but you won't hear that from my non-melanated counterparts. I'm going to um I'm going to go on to part 2. Okay? So stay tuned. All right, divine feminine, divine masculine, gang gang. So oh, my voice wanted to go out on me. 4:30 in the morning. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me, doing back-to-back um, podcasts here. I'm going to continue on the article. It says, communities also pay a steep price. Across the country, majority Black neighborhoods contain a total of $609 billion, B as in boy, $609 billion in owner-occupied housing assets, 10,000 public schools, and more than 3 million businesses. That's with an M, 3 million businesses. Devaluation of these assets further penalize communities since these businesses often form the tax base that support the fund's local education and infrastructure. That's deep, you guys. We're talking about becoming politically savvy, becoming politically mature. We just read that article by um, Malcolm X. This is how what politics affect. This is what we need our um, politicians and legislations to be focusing on. These findings highlight the consequences of orienting U.S. policy to favor home ownership and champion the single-family home as an instrument of wealth creation and family stability. Combined with a history of racist and exclusionary policies. Y'all, we need to get some people on some of these policies. We, we need lawyers to deal with some of these policies. Combined with a history of racist and exclusionary policies, including redlining and housing covenants. I don't know what the F that is, but we need some lawyers on this. We need some young people to start addressing this. This policy choice was has created a gap in home ownership between white and black Americans, locking black families out of a significant source of long-term health, long-term wealth creation. 
And I stand behind what I had said. I had done a podcast a while back encouraging our young people to go into law. Um, if, if I'm blessed with the opportunity and things work out the way I'm planning it, I look forward to paying four years of scholarship for some some young lawyers out of high school that are on ashamed and unapologetic about advocating for black people's rights um, and for reparations. Um, I also want to take the time here to say that reparations will be distributed. It's not if, it's a matter of when. And with what I've been seeing with this past retrograde, when you have people getting paid, uh, the firefighter that was paid $11 million for discrimination on his job. You have um, um, the Tesla technician that was paid 135000 for discrimination on his job. You want to be a lawyer. You want to be out there advocating for these families. Okay? So I'm going to need people to start looking into these policies. I'm going to need people to start looking into what the hell are these housing covenants the gap I'm, I'm continuing with the article the gap is persistent and widening half a century after the fair housing act was supposed to help correct this historical injustice the gap is wider than ever with just 42.3 percent of black americans owning homes now isn't that funny i'm just gonna go ahead and, and kind of guess but if something tells you that half a century, that's 50 years after the Fair Housing Act is supposed to help correct the historical injustice, to me, that's, that, that kind of stinks a little bit. Like where there's a fart, there's poop coming, right? Uh, in the quote that Malcolm X talked about, it says, until we become politically mature, we will continue, and I'm kind of, I'm not even reading the quote I have in front of me, but because I have said it so much, it's like ingrained in my mind. If I remember the quote correctly, it says, until until we become politically mature, we will continue to be misled, deceived, um, uh, misdirected. How are you going to have something for half a century that's supposed to correct the injustice and the gap is even wider. We will continue to be deceived and misled and misdirected until we un- until we become politically mature. I am going to go back to his quote because do you hear what they're telling you? They're telling you that half a century after this Fair Housing Act thing was put into place, we're, we're worse off. But what does Malcolm X say in his quote? Doesn't he say... Until we become politically mature, we will always be misled, led astray or deceived or maneuvered into supporting someone politically who does not have the good of our heart at community. We don't know no better, so we think the Fair Housing Act is something that's for us. And we're supporting this, and it has no good for our community at heart. 
the, the line right before that, it says, we must know what politics is supposed to produce. It's supposed to produce results. So how are you going to tell me the Fair Housing, uh, Fair Housing Act that's supposed to protect and um, reverse those injustices is making it actually worse? We're not politically mature. We don't understand how... Um, how politics is supposed to produce. One of the last sentences here in for Malcolm X, it says, and then we will when and then we will, whenever we are ready to cast the ballot, our ballot will be cast for a man of the community who has the good of the community at heart. So to me that tells me here we think that and we're told that and we're being fed this line that the Fair Housing Act is supposed to correct the historical injustices. Meanwhile, half a century, how many people are getting paid? How many directors, how many different people, how many board of board meetings have they had over this half a century? Right? We're getting government funding. But the gap is even wider. Come on now, people. Come on now. I'm getting sick and tired of this. How about you? The math ain't mathing. I'm paying you for half a century to do your job. I'm paying for you to have your staff meetings, your lunch meetings, to travel, to do all this other stuff. Paying millions of dollars in salaries to correct something, but the gap is wider? Nah, I need some eyes on that. And that that's the last, that's the last um, part of this paragraph. I thought it was going to be last part of this article. Um, this article was written by Patrick Sisson, S-I-S-S-O-N, November 27, 2018. So I, I appreciate um, the work and efforts that went into this. But you guys, go ahead and tell me what you think in the comments. I'm going to leave it open in the comments. Go ahead and tell me what you think. I think, you know, who am I? I'm just a little... <laughs> I'm not little. I'm six foot one. I'm Amazonian, okay? Um, but in the bigger thing, in the bigger scheme of things, in the cog of the machine... Um, I, I sometimes feel like I'm a little bit on the smaller side. I'm just one person. I'm not affiliated with anything, but at what point do we start to get lawyers that, that we can pay and that we can support and that we can champion who can advocate for these things for us with these fair housing acts that can advocate for us to, to sue these banks who are taking on redlining practices? Who can we partner with and have as our lawyers to represent us in these lawsuits? Uh, who can we have to represent us to get better schools? Who, who, you know, I feel like in 2021, isn't there a way for us to get our hands on our best and our brightest lawyers? There has to be a way. Uh, another area that's kind of not related to this, but that I've always been curious about is you always hear about how these black YouTubers are getting 
um, shadow banned up the wazoo. They're shutting down their channels and they're messing with their money, with their streams of income. And there's statistics that show out there that they target black YouTube content creators way more. But again, your girl's been hanging around white people. I know how they move. I know how they operate. Do you know if they try to do the same stuff to a a non-melanated person, they know how to cite their rights and their acts. You cannot, um, there is freedom of speech. And I feel like if, if it push comes to shove, I'm just a small person, but if I need to organize something on petition.org where we can, um, ask for some lawyers to represent us and we can raise the money to pay them to represent it, a collective of black YouTube content creators so that they can sue because YouTube is straight out wilding. It's a complete violation of their right of freedom of speech. Um, there's another law that I need to write down too, but when I, and I, again, I heard it from non-melanated people and you wanted to hear how angry they were. It was kind of like, they were so adamant. Like, I wish you would try to take my channel down because I know my rights, blah, blah, blah. And they, and they, and I was sitting there like, what? He, he sure is right. They need to have one black content creator sue them up the wazoo but the problem is it's hard for one youtube content creator to come up with the finances to to go up against a giant but what if we had we had a class action lawsuit where all of the content creators who felt that they had a problem with youtube um violating their rights to create content and we could establish that they're targeting you for being a black content creator right? And we could raise the funds to get the quality lawyers that you deserve to fight this case. Like, I'm, I'm going to get to the point where I probably will be on a yacht somewhere sipping my mimosas, but I'll put together the, the petition and start to solicit and try to find um, lawyers who are willing to do that. Because I don't think we should give them chump change. Don't ever get, you know, and I'm not going to, we're not going to lowball these lawyers. We're paying them for their expertise and we're paying them to represent us and to put together a legal team. Right? So I am legit officially sleepy. I had said that I was going to do another podcast um, addressing any of my non-melanated listeners who kind of felt like some of the things that I'm addressing might have taken a turn where I went from talking about relationships and heartbreak and twin flame and divine masculines and took a little bit of a segue into talking about um, how to to um, build your generational wealth and crypto and stock and um, and health and that type of thing. And now we're talking about issues that are going on in the black community. Um, I think I might just close it up a little bit, the last one or two minutes here, but um, I'm too sleepy right now. I'm I'm too tired to go through all of that. Um, It is 4.43 in the morning, and then um, one of my uncles passed away, so we're having his funeral tomorrow at 10, and um, normally, because I'm up at night, I do tend to sleep through that time, but I want to be able to, to kind of 
let my body um, start to unwind and rest so that I can be up for 10 o'clock. It's going to be by Zoom. Um, he passed away in Florida, but I wanted to um, be with the family via Zoom for that. And so that means I need to get some sleep. And so um, I won't be able to um, do that third podcast right now. But um, yeah, I think that if you, you really have to question yourself. Like when I talk about me being your karmic and you've listened to me this far and you're listening to me this far on this podcast or some of the other stuff I've said and you're non-melanated and it kind of irks you, it makes you feel some kind of way. I'm your karmic. Like you need to sort that out. And especially if you have a quote unquote Christian upbringing, I already talked about the nuances of that, you know, and um, other melanated people who feel frustrated because it's like, oh, I thought you were supposed to be a Christian. No, the truth is these Confederate Christians, you know, the when they came on the Nina Pinta and the Santa Maria on the Mayflower, these pilgrims came here for religious um, freedom and then enslaved the F out of Native Americans, black people, they would um, Catholicize you before they put you on a slave ship. You need to you need to sort that out. And I want to tell you, you don't want to be on the wrong side of the law, of the of of karma and justice when reparations are starting to be doled out. For some of you, it might be too late. You think that you're a divine, you know. And you think that you're spiritual and you think you're going to have a twin flame. I got news for you. What's going on with these retrogrades? When I tell you I'm seeing people paying for consequences from 11 years ago. So if you were a business owner and you were racist to one of your employees, racist to one of your coworkers, um, practicing medical practices, if some of you are in the medical field and you thought that you could not take somebody's temperature you know, the way that you normally would for, for your white patient, or you didn't really pour into that person, like the way that you should and could have sevenfold, sevenfold. It's going to be a lot of people like it's in the Bible. It says, uh, the, there's going to be people who are going to be saying, Lord, Lord, didn't you know me? And I have said this before because you hear me going back and forth between saying I don't F with Christian people anymore because I see them for the races that they are. But I do refer to the Bible. But I know that there's other scripture. And I I know that there's the Orthodox Ethiopian Hebrew Israelites. I think that they took those original codes, the original um scripture for Hebrew Israelites, and they took it and they tainted it and they ran with it. Right? Um, but I do believe that there are set apart people and those, the promises that are in there stand tried and true for his people. And whatever happened with the exodus of the Hebrew Israelites from Exodus from Egypt is fitting to happen again. And, um, I haven't really formulated a, a opinion on, you know, when, when the Hebrew Israelites finally got to the position where they left and went and, you know, crossed the the Red Sea and that type of thing, there were some Egyptians that went with them. And those Egyptians ended up costing the Hebrew Israelites 40 years in the desert when it should have only lasted them three days. So 
me knowing what I know now, I'll be really like double and triple vetting you to where I don't think that any moves moving forward, you'd have to prove yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't come in under the guise that you know that this is a protected people, that these are Yah, Yahuwah's people under those guises and then come and sabotage our whole progress for reparations. Don't do it. Don't you dare do it. Cause me, I'm a Scorpio. I told somebody the other day, I have, I am not a forgiving type person. And for everything I've been through and Christianity, Christianity will try to tell me, Oh, forgive, forgive. No, not me. Not me. Uh, uh-uh, I'm not one of those. I'm not cut like that. I'm not made from that cloth. So, you know, don't find yourself on the wrong side of this type of thing. You know, if it's for some of you, it's too late. You're going to have to pay that sevenfold. You thought that you were divine and you thought that you were ascended and you thought that you were doing the right thing and you just weren't. But I'm going to just, you know, trigger, trigger, trigger. All right. I'm going to go to bed. I'm I'm so sleepy. <laughs> I'm working for my money, y'all. <laughs> I don't know how many podcasts I put out tonight. I think, did I put out like 11? I don't know. It's a lot. And at this point, I'm so sleepy that all I have to do is just press, like reach over and press to stop recording. And I promise you, my eyes are going to close. I'm going to fall asleep because I got to be up. (sighs) Okay. (sighs) That'd be funny if I like end up snoring and falling asleep. (laughs) Anyways, um, I'm going to sign off. I'm charging you with love, charging you with light, charging you with black light because black light illuminates the invisible. I'm charging you with meeting and falling in love with the love of your life. I'm charging you with health, with wealth, with wisdom, and prosperity. Until the next podcast, peace.